The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. What we're talking about tonight is actually a little bit related to what we're seeing in the world. We've seen unprecedented uh, pandemic-related changes in this country and around the world. Uh, We've seen what's these riots and this looting and this arson and this violence around the country. Now we're into a week or more of this. Does this portend something greater, something bigger is about to happen? According to our guest tonight, Richard Larson, he's going to be talking about the world teacher. Those words are capitalized. The world teacher, Maitreya. Who is this world teacher? What is this world teacher going to do for us? When is this world teacher going to arrive here? All those questions. It's going to be an interesting conversation, especially as it relates to all the weirdness going on around us. I swear I need to do a political show. That, that might be coming soon. Um, in the meantime, please follow us and subscribe to us, both on Twitch and YouTube. If you're a subscriber on Twitch and you used the uh, Amazon Prime uh, connection to be able to subscribe for free. You got to do that every month. You got to up, re-up it every month. So please do that if you haven't. Also, YouTube is a great place to go. It's our digital hub. It's where we um, kind of coalesce and uh, all our back episodes are there. And if you go to JV Johnson on YouTube, you can subscribe. Of course, all those episodes are there for your enjoyment. There's no fee or anything for that. Also, the podcast version of the show is a great way to enjoy it. Go to any of the major podcast distribution platforms and search for Beyond Reality Paranormal. Please subscribe when you do that as well. It'll automatically be downloaded to your smart device, and that way you never miss a show. If you hear it live, terrific, but if you miss one, you can go back and play it as a podcast. Really simple to do that. So um, thank you to everybody for supporting the show as well. We've got a lot of support in a lot of ways. If you would take a minute, this doesn't cost anything. It's not very intrusive, but if you share our channels, whether it's Twitch or YouTube or the podcast on your social media and recommend it to your friends. That would be awesome. It would bring some new people, some new ears and eyes to the program. And that's what we're always looking for. So thank you for doing that in advance. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will uh, get our guest on the phone again tonight. We'll be talking with Richard Larson. He's a volunteer for Share International, which is a nonprofit educational organization. We'll be talking about Matreya, the world teacher. What does all that mean? That's next here on Beyond Reality. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dick Larson is our guest. He's a volunteer for Share International, which is a nonprofit educational organization. And we're going to be talking about Maitreya, the world teacher, plus how all of this in this discussion will uh, connect to what we see going on in the world around us. We have seen in the, well, in, in, since 2020 began, basically, um, it's been the strangest five months that uh, 
I think I know that it's ever occurred in my lifetime, and probably most people can say that. But, Dick, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's really great to have you on the show with us tonight. Thanks for inviting me, JV. So let's start out. What? Tell me what Share International is. Sure. Share International, well, you said it's a nonprofit. It's an educational um, organization worldwide. And the idea behind Share International, it was created by a man named Benjamin Krem, spelled C-R-E-M-E. It looks, looks like cream, but it's pronounced Krem. He lived in London, um, and he traveled the world for about 40 years with no pay um, because he volunteered to give out information uh, around the world that every 2,000 years or so we get a great teacher to help humanity with the next step forward, and that it's been 2,000 years, and it's time for the next great teacher to come, and that, in fact, he is here now on the planet waiting for the right time to come forward when he thinks he can get uh, the attention of most of humanity, um, and he will contact us hooked up by satellite, um, by radio and TV. And so the purpose of Share International, which also has a monthly magazine, um, that's worldwide. Um, the purpose of Share International is to continue to get out that information that Benjamin Krem was releasing to the world, and I'm one of those volunteers who's agreed to do that. I've been doing it for about 20 years now. Oh, wow. Tell me a little bit more about Benjamin Krem. First of all, how did this come to him and to his attention? And do you know anything about how he decided to become a warrior for this cause? I do a little bit, yeah. Um, if I may, J.B., let, let me just tell your listeners a couple things right up front. Number sure. one, I ask a couple things of your listeners. Number one, please don't believe anything I say, <laughs> because that would be blind belief, and I can't recommend that to anyone. I'm not here to convince people that what I say is true or to argue with people or to get people to think the way I think. That's not why I'm here. I'm just here to give out my information and let people see if maybe 10 or 20 or 30 percent of it makes any sense to them and, and maybe is useful to them. That's the first thing. The second thing I ask um, is that it's hard to do this, but to try and keep a little bit of an open mind. Just crack the window open a little bit so you can let this kind of weird information, I think, in uh, a little bit and just kind of let it sit on your lap and don't do anything with it um, and just kind of think about it. That's what I ask. Now, Benjamin Krem, yes, I, I knew Benjamin Krem. He passed away a few years ago uh, at age 92. Um and I knew Benjamin Krem for about 23 years. I interviewed him three times on television. Um, and he used to travel the world. Like I said, he used to come. He lived in London. He used to come to New York and give a lecture, and then he would come to Los Angeles and give a lecture. Then he would go to San Francisco and give a lecture, and then he would move on to Japan and so on around the world. And a friend of mine said, why don't you go check him out? Well, this was a guy I kind of trusted, so... I went and I listened to Benjamin Krem. I must tell you, about 80% of it went right over my head <laughs> first time I heard him. But some of it made sense to me. I grew up a Christian, and some of it made sense to me, and some of it answered questions that my religion couldn't answer. But it made sense. That was really the bottom line for me. It was just kind of logical. It just kind of hit the right chord with me. Um, Benjamin Krem got involved. He was studying something called the ageless wisdom, and that's what this is really based upon. The first, first early teacher of, of the ageless wisdom was a woman named Helena Blavatsky, 
Um, she wrote a couple books. Then Alice A. Bailey in the 30s and 40s wrote about 20 books of the Ageless Wisdom teachings. And she was the intermediate teacher. And the latest teacher, the, the one that taught the revelation phase of, of the Ageless Wisdom, was Benjamin Cram. And he had been studying Bailey and Blavatsky. And, and a man stopped him on the street one time in London, and he said, um, one of the masters, you know, the masters are, they call them ascended masters, they call them the kingdom of, of souls, the, the spiritual kingdom, lots of names. They're, they're people that have gone through, perfected human beings, that have gone through evolution ahead of us, like Jesus, Confucius, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, and so on. Joan of Arc is one of the great masters. Um, and one of the masters have been trying to reach you. And he said, no, I haven't, I haven't heard anything. I haven't felt anything. He said, well, it's bouncing off you. So he was taught a little bit how to focus and, and so that this master could contact him. Well, he ultimately did. And along the way, he said to Benjamin Krem, the time may come when I'm going to ask you to tell the world about the world teacher. Um, would you be willing to do that? And he said, yeah, sure. And, you know, he thought about it a little while. Well, then it just kind of dropped out of his mind. Well, 15, 20 years later, <laughs> sure enough, he gets called upon again and said, it's time. Well, he's, he wasn't a public speaker. He wasn't crazy about doing this at all. But he had agreed to it. He thought it made sense. Um, and so he agreed to start traveling around the world, and that's how, that's how I met him. And his message um, came to him from what source? Was it a, a, was it from the te- world teacher, uh, him or herself, or was this stuff that he had studied from these other uh, writers that you had mentioned in the early part of your answer? Well, the background information he got from the other writers, he knew about you know God's great laws like the law of cause and effect, which they call karma in the East, and about rebirth that that. We're not just here once. Our soul is eternal, and it picks up human bodies um, and right where we left off last time because it remembers, and we, that's how we evolve, right. uh, and, and so on. He knew about that. But no, his information that he re- released to the world in his various lectures and so on and in his books um, came from Maitreya, who contacted him two or three times, but then mostly from the master that was put in charge. All the masters have jobs, and one of this master's jobs was to inform Benjamin Krem of what's going on, what's coming, um, and of course, a lot of it's prophecy, JV. So you can't, <laughs> I can't right. prove it. You know, neither could Benjamin Krem. That's that's the problem with prophecy. You just have to kind of hang out and see what happens. So anyway, that's where he got his information was from. He was in contact with one of the masters basically 24 hours a day, almost 24 hours a day, and that's where his information came from. What was his background? Was he a religious man prior to all this? He was an artist. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, he was an artist. He wasn't particularly religious, although he did study the Bible and some of the other great sacred books of the other major religions just as part of his kind of homework kind of thing. And, uh, but no, he, he was an artist and did some incredible... He, he was inspired, as, as all the great artists of history, I think, have been, um, the Michelangelos and so on. He was inspired by his master, who would give him visions of something, and then he would try to recreate it on canvas. And he, he's done a lot of paintings. I think, ultimately, he will be very, very famous for his artwork, because it's mostly spiritual symbolism. 
Um, he has there is a museum in Los Angeles now of Benjamin Krem's work. And my trail, before we get into the details of the message and all of that, sure, just, sure. you kind of already touched on the fact that Maitreya was an, is an ascended master like Jesus, yeah. like Buddha. Give us a little more, uh, first of all, definition as to who and what Maitreya is, but also how all of these ascended, what, what all of these ascended masters are. Sure. They're perfected human beings who have gone through evolution just like you and I are and all your listeners are. You know, and then we and we we either progress or we don't. We either evolve or we don't. We have a choice. We have free will. It's sacred. Um, we don't have to do anything, and the masters would never make us do anything because they have to obey God's laws just like we do. If you don't believe in God, you could say the laws of the universe, whatever. And so um, the masters went through evolution thousands of lifetimes, picking up each time where they left off last time. We've all been every race. We've been rich. We've been poor. We've been married. We've been single. We've had kids. We haven't had kids. Once you have all of the experiences that this planet can offer, you graduate. You don't need to come back in a body anymore because you've learned all the lessons. Now, sometimes they're hard to learn, but you've learned all the lessons that planet Earth can teach in a human body, and then you become a permanent spirit, a consciousness in what we call the spiritual universe. There's no heaven, really. It's a state of mind. And so then you don't need to take bodies anymore, and you become what they call an ascended master or a master of wisdom. JV, they're called masters not because they're masters over us, Mm -hmm. but because they're masters over themselves. They've controlled their behaviors and thoughts, and and they've let their soul run their life, basically, is what it turns out to be. Um, And they've gotten to the point where now all they do is God's will, and pretty much all they are is love, um, most of them. And they're they're a combination of love and wisdom, actually. Um, And so these great beings, there are 63 great masters who have, you can decide where you want to go. There's seven paths you can take as a master, and one of them is the path of earth service. And those are the great beings who've inspired humanity behind the scenes, over the eons, the great artists, the great writers, and so on, the great musicians, and and the great scientists of humanity have been inspired um, behind the scenes by the masters. Their consciousness resides in the deserts and mountains regions of the world. Um, and so they, <laughs> they don't have to live in the smog and the noise pollution and all that stuff that we do. Um, and so, so those are what the masters are. They're called the custodians of the ageless wisdom. They're called the spiritual hierarchy because they're at different levels just like we are. You know, everybody's at a different, little different stage of evolution. Um, and the same thing is true when you become a master, you learn spiritual lessons now. You're not learning human lessons. And so they're at different levels, too. So they're called the spiritual hierarchy. They're called the lords of compassion. Then they each have a, a piece of the plan, that they're of God's plan for planet Earth that they're responsible for. And they have a leader based on the evolution, the evolutionary stage. The leader of the masters, there are two. One is the Buddha and one is Maitreya. Maitreya and the Buddha were the first two to graduate from the human race, from the earthly human race, and become masters. And so they're the most evolved. Um, But all the masters, you know, they have no ego. 
Um, they just work together. They all work together. Maitreya, in particular, works particularly close with the Master Jesus. They work hand in hand, and and um, apparently have been have been doing that for a long, long time. Um, and so that's what the masters are in Maitreya. Every two thousand years, we're sent one of these great beings to teach a lesson. The Buddha taught the wisdom of God. Jesus taught the love of God. Maitreya comes to teach God's will. He says humanity is finally ready to seriously start doing God's will. And so I come to teach humanity God's will and the purpose behind that will. One of the things we're going to find out, J.V., is what we're doing here. Why are we here? What's our purpose? You know, people wonder about that, and they get ideas about that, some of which might be right. Um, but we're going to actually we're going to actually know. Now he's in a body he made. He can't be killed or destroyed, um, and he will be with us at the center of humanity for the next two thousand two hundred years. Wow, you've mentioned God a lot. Yes. Um, is this the God that we may know and understand through the Christian Bible? Yes, it's the same God or the Torah, mm-hmm. uh, Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's interesting. The spiritual kingdom, like I said, it has levels, just like a a large corporation has levels of management. Mm -hmm. Well, so does the spiritual kingdom. And and the the more you evolve, the greater your responsibilities get. And so um, different masters, Maitreya isn't here alone. There are 13 other masters on the planet right now in physical bodies in major cities of the world. But by the time this age is over, the next 2,000 years, there will be over 40 of them walking amongst us, teaching. That's what they are. They're teachers. They're going to make suggestions because we have free will. We can either follow their suggestions or not. It's up to us. It will be a very personal experience for each of us. We'll have to, you know, make decisions as there will be a master in charge of each giving advice for each major religion. There'll be a master who will advise on government. There'll be a master on health care. There'll be a master on education. We're going to get wonderful suggestions. Like I said, we don't have to follow them, but if we choose wisely, um, at least some will uh, at the start. Not everybody's going to, you know, fall on board here at <laughs> JV. What, what Benjamin Krem said is there'll be about a third of the people will will say, yeah, Maitreya makes sense, I'm going to follow his suggestions. About a third of the people will say, no, he's the Antichrist, look out. And about another third will say, I'm going to wait and see. And so that's kind of what it's going to be like. It's not going to be, you know, um, automatically accepted. So that's kind of what the masters are. There's a master in every, you know, major religion um, and... Um, they they inspire humanity behind the scenes, and now it's time for them to join humanity, because part of their evolution is to take physical bodies again and walk amongst us, live like we live in the pollution and the smog and the noise, and and teach us. So that's their next stage of evolution, and thank goodness, um, you know, we're getting help to dig our way out of this mess that we've made. So many of us, probably most of us, have uh, been brought up with an understanding, maybe not a deep understanding. I know I don't have a deep understanding of the Bible, of the Christian Bible, but I have a basic understanding of it. Um, Where does Maitreya's story um, get supported from the biblical story, particularly of what is to come, and where do do they diverge? Or maybe they don't at all. I'm not sure. In the Bible, there's a character in some of the books of the Bible named Melchizedek. 
the the authors refer to the great Melchizedek. That is Maitreya. Okay. Um, and here's how here's how it works. I'm really glad you asked this because this is so basic to how the masters work with humanity. You know, it's like God's never going to show up in front of you and tell you what to do. God always works through others. Right. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, I was I, I got laid off and I was sitting in my dentist chair. And I thought, you know, I think I want to work, try working with some of these. I saw the Down syndrome kids go through malls with their teachers and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, I think maybe I want to just do some volunteer work and see if I want to become a special education teacher. And I'm sitting in my dentist's office. My dentist is in Pasadena. My dentist is asking me what's going on. I tell him, and he says, I'll be right back. And he comes back with a piece of paper he gives to me, and it's got the name of a school for special education in Pasadena and their phone number. He said, why don't you give these? That was God talking through my dentist, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how the masters work. The masters work through people. Usually a major disciple of theirs is the one that comes as a teacher. For example, Buddha. Buddha did not come himself. He sent his major disciple who agreed out of the body before he was born, who agreed to this mission. He said, I will give out your teachings, Buddha. And so he was born Prince Gautama. Prince Gautama grew up, and when he became of age, the Buddha basically overshadowed him, which means he put his consciousness in Prince Gautama's mind and in Prince Gautama's consciousness, with his permission, of course. And so whenever Prince Gautama spoke, he was giving out the teachings of the Buddha, and he became known as Gautama Buddha. But it wasn't the Buddha. It was one of his high disciples. Same thing happened with Jesus and all the others. Jesus, you know, was very, very devoted to Maitreya, and Maitreya is the Christ for our planet. The Christ is a position. It's not anybody's last name. Jesus' last name wasn't Jesus Christ. He was Jesus the Christ. And the reason he was is because from the time of the baptism to the time of the crucifixion, he had agreed to be overshadowed by Maitreya, and Maitreya's consciousness was in Jesus. And so when Jesus spoke, he gave out the teachings of the Christ for those three years that he was teaching, and he became known as Jesus the Christ. That's the age-old way that the Master's give out their teachings is through disciples. Well, the big deal about this time around, J.V., is that Maitreya, the world teacher, is coming himself. This is huge. It's never happened before in the history of humanity. Yeah, I would say it sounds huge. Uh, I want to continue talking about the masters, though, and try, again, getting a perspective as to how all of these uh, masters work together and fit together. Sure. Um, you define them basically as being the highest form of human, I'm assuming spiritual evolution, not physical yeah. evolution. Yeah, um, right. And so in all of time, what we're talking about here is there's only a handful of those that have achieved this. Jesus is one, as you said, Buddha. Um, how, how, do we know how many there are total? You know, I don't. Because they have seven paths, and one only one of them is Earth service. So of all those that have graduated from planet Earth and become permanent consciousness, only 63 have hung around planet Earth. But there's hundreds and hundreds and, and probably thousands of others that have chosen other paths. One of the paths is the path to Sirius, which is our neighbor solar system, as you know. And Sirius, according to Benjamin Krems Master, Sirius has a very, very fast 
evolution there very fast. And if you're a master and you want to take the path to serious, um, then you'll have other other jobs, other responsibilities, and other tasks, but you will evolve very, very quickly there. Um, and so there are different, you can take the path of sonship, which is the path to becoming a Christ. Um, not every planet in our solar system has a Christ. We're very, very fortunate to have a Christ in our, in our solar system, um, in, in our planet, I mean, associated with our planet. Um, you can take the path of Godship and become uh, the ultimately become the god of one of the planets. See, the gods, this is going to sound funny to Christians, and it did to me when I first heard as a Christian, but the spiritual level, as I said, has different levels of responsibility and evolution. The, there's Every planet in our solar system has a being that, that people pray to, and they call him God. And our planet has a god. Then the solar system, there's a god of the solar system. So all the planetary gods report to the solar system god. Then the solar system god reports to the god of our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, you can't even begin to imagine the consciousness of these great beings, you know, yeah. much less the one of our planet. So the only one we need to worry about is the one of our planet, and that's who we pray to. That's Jehovah. That's, that's God Almighty. That's whatever. And like I said, you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe anything I'm saying. I'm just giving out my information in case some of it clicks for anybody. Um, like I said, after I thought about it, it took me about two years to, to move past Jesus and realize that maybe Maitreya did overshadow Jesus, and maybe they are best buddies and work together all the time. It took me a while. So I don't expect anybody to accept this. You um, <laughs> are obviously very dedicated to this and, and, and convinced, and you do a great job of representing it. And I can't imagine that someone else's words alone convinced you. Did you see something change in your life? Did you see something happen that convinced you this was the right message? Yes, and and it's nothing, well, there are a couple things, but it's nothing really that I can show anybody or prove to anybody. You know, it's like, how do you know there's a God? Well, the people that know there's a God have experienced God working in their lives. It's a personal experience. You know, that, that something happened, maybe more than one thing, often is, that that told them, you know what, there's a higher being helping to take care of us that loves us. Um, that's the only way I can explain that this happened. Well, that's kind of what it's like. You can't show that to anybody or prove it to anybody, but you know because you know because you know. Well, like I said, the first, my first reaction to this and my first reaction to Benjamin Crumb's first book when I finally got it was that it just started to make sense to me. It kind of fit with my Christianity in some ways and not in others. Um, and I started to realize that the Bible is way more symbolic. It's not really to be taken all that literally. There's tremendous symbolism um, in, in the Christian Bible. Um, and it started to make more sense to me when I thought of it that way, because that's how it can last thousands of years, which it has, you know, um, is because there's something under the surface, like Jesus told parables to people, because they weren't educated. The only people that could read and write were the were the um, the priests and the tax collectors. Right. Nobody else was educated. They couldn't read or write, so they had to believe everything they heard or not. Um, and so he would tell these parables at a very simple level for a very simple, uneducated people. But underneath it was all this meaning, like, as you sow, so shall you reap. I mean, basically he's saying, however you plant, that's what you're going to grow. 
That's the law of karma. Scientists call it the law of action and reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And, and it's cause and effect. That's, that's one of the major laws of all our lives. Well, that just made sense to me. I said, yeah, yeah, I can see where that's taught in every, every major religion has its own version of cause and effect, as you sow, so shall you reap. And it just started to make a lot of sense to me. Then Maitreya and Jesus, especially the last, I would say, 20 years, have been, according to Benjamin Krem and his master, have been appearing to people as an ordinary person. Sometimes uh, Africa, every race, African-American, you know, Caucasian, Asian, um, sometimes young, sometimes old, sometimes rich, sometimes tremendously, you know, homeless a lot of times, um, sometimes smoking, sometimes drinking, sometimes not. Um, and they appear to people sometimes for a split second and sometimes for longer. Um, and they have been appearing to people, and if somebody, I remember I mentioned Share Magazine, if somebody thinks they had an experience of one of the masters, they could write to Share Magazine, and Benjamin Krem would get their letter, and he would ask his master, was this one of the masters, and if so, which one? And then he would publish the letter in one of the issues of Share Magazine. It's a fascinating magazine. There's no advertising in it because he didn't want to be obligated to anybody. I mean, wanted to be able to print his, you know, truths as he saw them. And, and so he would print the letter, and at the bottom of the letter he would say which master it was, if it was really one of the masters. Otherwise he wouldn't print it. And I ended up getting several letters printed, uh, which means that I had, if, if true, again, I'm not asking people to believe this, it means that I had some experiences of Jesus and some experiences of Maitreya. Um, and there's usually like three ways, one of three ways that you know you've had an experience of a master. One is there's something in the eyes that's really special. Maybe they're deep, or maybe they're bright, or maybe they see right through you. You have that feeling, you know. That was one of the, that was one of the ways I knew. Um, and or maybe you get this joy inside of you that just you're so happy, and there's no reason for you to be that happy right now. You know, it's unexplained, but it, but it's true. You you can't deny it. Um, let's see that one and and. What was the other one? Uh, but I can give examples of those. Yeah, you I, asked I'm, what happened to me. I'm very curious about how um, you recognize. I mean, you, you just kind of des described how you realize this may be a master that you're talking to. But yes. what, were the con what was the context? What was the experience itself? Sure. The, by the way, the third one is it's a very ordinary experience that you shouldn't probably really remember at all, but you can't get it out of your mind. You can't get it out of your mind. And that happened to me, and so I finally wrote to Benjamin Krem. Well, one night I was coming home from a meditation group uh, in Pasadena, and it was just dusk. The sun was just setting, not quite yet, and I pulled up at a stoplight, and I looked to the left out my driver's side window, and there was a bus bench there, and there was this homeless guy in a filthy tan overcoat, just slouched way down with kind of a grayish, brown beard and mustache, all straggly looking, and he was slouched down, when his, and his chin was down almost on his chest, but his eyes were up, and he was looking at me. And I, J.D., I cannot explain this, but my instantly, I thought, that guy is looking right through me. Hmm. And then the light turned green, and I drove on. Well, I couldn't get him out of my mind. I couldn't get him out of my mind. 
And I finally wrote to Benjamin Krim, and Benjamin printed my letter in Share uh, International Magazine, and it turns out that the guy on the bus bench was the Master Jesus. Um, one time I was leaving, I was going to uh, get my master's degree at Cal State LA um, and in psychology. And I was leaving class to walk across the campus to go to my meditation group. And I was walking on the sidewalk, and there were a couple of young men walking towards me on the campus. And I looked up just at the last second, and right between their, their shoulders, right between their head, I could see this young lady walking behind them. And she had kind of shoulder-length brown hair, looked to be in her early 20s or, or younger. And she looked at me and gave me, the best thing I can describe to JV is kind of a Mona Lisa smile. It wasn't like a full smile or anything. But I just saw her like six feet in front of me, and she walked by. Mm-hmm. But oh, oh, I was so happy. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, but it felt like my feet were barely touching the ground. And my first thought was, man, I wish I could make people that happy by just smiling like she did with me. And all the way to my car, through the parking lot and everything, I just was so full of joy. I felt so, I don't know, just carefree and loved and happy. And there was just no reason for me to feel that way at all, except for her. Well, obviously, I couldn't get her out of my mind. So I finally wrote to Benjamin Cram, and it turned out that she was Maitreya. And, and I've had these experiences, a little six-year-old or, or nine-year-old girl. Um, I was working at Share International booth at one of these um, expos, giving out information and so on for people that were interested. And this, this grandma and the little girl came up to me, and the little girl knew things that she shouldn't have known. Um, and I said, that's amazing. You know, how, did you, how would you possibly know that? And I finally wrote to Benjamin Cram, and the little girl was the Master Jesus, and the grandma was a disciple of the Master Jesus. Um, and so I've had these experiences. I, I, I saw Jesus in the park next to the apartment building I used to live in. I gave him some cookies from my mother who lived in Minnesota because um, I used to take things down to this homeless guy down there, and, and he wasn't there. So I saw this other guy folding clothes, and I went over to him, and he looked real ready, like he lived outdoors, you know, shoulder-length brown hair. Um, but his clothes, he was folding his clothes into this um, uh, shopping basket, shopping cart, and his clothes were just, smooth like they'd just been ironed i thought that's impossible but anyway i gave him the cookies and i said um the i just want to give you these they're from my mother in minnesota and um i just want you to have them and he said oh thank you he said if they're from your mother i'm sure they're very very good and he got this beautiful smile and i said well i couldn't get him out of my mind i finally wrote to benjamin krem he was the master jesus well a lot of people have done this jv and you get these experiences where you shouldn't remember somebody. <laughs> I saw a guy disappear. He was walking up the sidewalk. This is what the master, another thing the masters will do. He's walking up the sidewalk. I was driving my car at a very busy intersection. I stopped. I watched him cross the street, and I looked to my right, and I looked to my left, and I started to drive forward, and I looked back for the guy. He was nowhere. He wasn't across the street. He wasn't down that sidewalk. He wasn't down. He didn't take a left and go down that side. He was gone. Well, that's when you know you've seen the master, too, because they, they will do that. They'll just disappear. They usually show up to teach a lesson. For example, 
somebody wrote in complaining because uh, this guy was smoking so much right next to her, and turned out it was Jesus. Another guy wrote in because the guy, this guy smelled of alcohol on his breath. It turned out that was Maitreya. And, you know, one of the lessons usually is no matter what we look like, no matter how we act, no matter what our income, no matter what our race, we're all sacred. We're all holy. You know, um, yeah. and, and, and so they'll teach lessons. And, and so it's like you may hate the smoking, but don't hate the smoker. You know, that kind of thing. Right. The masters, are they always walking among us, or is this something that is, is specific to this time? This is brand new. This is specific to the inauguration of the Age of Aquarius, which I'd love to explain to you because it's about astronomy, not astrology. And and there are different energies penetrating the planet now, and this is brand new. They were not here before. They've never been here before, only one at a time as, it, as the teachers, you know, Confucius and those. From our chat room, someone, yeah, asked, someone asked when praying to his father... Um, when Jesus was praying to his father, he was, he said he was actually talking to Maitreya. Do you know anything about that? Um, that's not my understanding, but it's possible. Um, you know, he said something in the in the Garden of Gethsemane that was really really important. He said, "Thy will be done." He is the very first great teacher to ever bring God's will down to the planet. That was a monumental phrase that that he um, said, according to the Ageless Wisdom. It's huge. Tell me, let's we, before we went into the break, you kind of teased the idea of we're entering <laughs> the Age of Aquarius here. Yeah. Now, of course, other than the song, I don't know anything about the Age of Aquarius. Tell me what you're talking about. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, our solar system doesn't sit still in cosmos. It moves in an elliptical orbit that takes about 36,000 years to make one orbit. Um, and, and, of course, we don't, we don't know it, but, but it's real. If you were to go to a, talk to an astronomer, um, he would say they call it the precession of the equinox. That's their name for it. Um, but this elliptical circle that we travel in is surrounded by the 12 constellations we call the zodiac. Now, these constellations, as everybody knows, are huge, huge heavenly bodies with tremendous energies. And as we go through this elliptical orbit, we come into alignment or closer to each one of them one at a time. And when we come into alignment with them and we, we're close enough, we can receive the energies from that constellation, which are designed to help life in our solar system evolve, learn and grow, which is basically what evolution is. Um, and so when we're in alignment with one of these constellations, we say we are in the age of whatever that constellation is. Now, for the last 2,000 years, we have been in alignment with the great constellation Pisces. And the teacher who came to inaugurate the age of Pisces was the Master Jesus. Jesus came to inaugurate the age of Pisces. You know, the symbol for Pisces is the fish. Right. Well, there's two symbols for Christianity, the cross and the fish. Most people can't tell you why it's the fish. But I'm t I'll tell you why. According to the Ageless Wisdom, it's because he was the teacher for the age of... He knew he was the teacher for the age of Pisces. That's why he fed the crowd with fish. That's why he said, I'll make you fishers of men. He chose fishermen, a lot of them, as his disciples. No accident. 
None at all. Um, and so he was the teacher for the age of Pisces. While the two primary energies of Pisces are individuality, man has stepped out of the herd in the last 2,000 years, and dedication to an ideal. And it was dedication to the ideal of freedom that saved the world from Hitler and Mussolini. Um, that dedication, that, that Piscean energy has served its purpose. Well, in 1625, we started moving out of the influence of Pisces, and in 1675, we started moving into the influence of Aquarius. So where we're at right now is we're about halfway in between. And whenever you're receiving the energies from both of these constellations, like we are right now, it causes chaos on the planet. As you can imagine, the two primary energies of, of Aquarius are cooperation and synthesis and so what we're going to see now is those great individuals you and i everybody that's willing to stand up for themselves and live their own life those individuals will now over the period of aquarius dedicate themselves to cooperation and the good of the group aquarian energy supports group action Piscean energy supported individual action. So these dictators are the last ones. I mean, you're you're going to see this whole idea of dictators and powerful individual leaders um, fade away. As a matter of fact, Benjamin Krem's um, master even said that uh, the president of the United States will ultimately no longer be one person. It will be a panel of wise people. Um, And he said if it happens quick enough, Jimmy Carter will be one of them. but that's, that's Aquarian energy supports group. That's why people marching in the streets could save our health care, because Aquarian energy is behind any kind of group action, not individual action. It's very, very important. So we're moving from a time of competition to a time of cooperation. We're going to see competition slowly but surely start to die out and be replaced by cooperation on an individual level and on a national level from one country to another. It's, that's the nature of Aquarian energy. So we are moving into the age of Aquarius and into a time of cooperation. So we're going from a you-or-me world into a you-and-me world. And, and that's one of the biggest lessons that Maitreya comes to teach and all the masters uh, come to teach us is how to get along with each other. They call it right relationship, which is the definition of righteousness. Relating with each other from a standpoint of goodwill, it doesn't even have to be love. You know, you don't even have to like them. Just don't hurt them. Harmlessness is one of the great advances humanity can start to make now. I mean, if your listeners think about it, just think about what it would be like if nobody on the planet hurt anybody. Oh, man, that'd be a different world. Forget all the love stuff, you know? Right. It'd be very different. Um, Yeah. So, you know, we're looking outside our windows, and and in many cases we're looking through the the television as as our window to the world. And we're seeing unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes, angst and, um, well, in some cases, violence. In some cases, uh, illness. I mean, we've got pandemics, we've got riots, we've got uh, governments and dictators and things going on around the world that make it very, very unsettling. Now, my question is, is it because all of that is happening that we're going to be seeing the masters or is it the coming of the masters that is creating this? No, we're 
creating it. Okay. We're creating it by our actions, just like people have done for eons. Um, you know, like the coronavirus. You know, God didn't make that happen. The masters didn't make that happen. We made that happen. What we're experiencing is we're experiencing the the tragedy that we have brought upon each other over the years because we can't end starvation, because we can't end wars, because we can't stop killing and polluting the planet. That is coming back on us. The great law of cause and effect is kicking in big time. And so what is happening is we're reaping the tragedy that we have been dealing out, especially the Western world. Um, and so that's, that's the genesis of this. It's finally reached a tipping point, you know, where, okay, the world is the, the – everything's energy. We know that. We know that in a concrete block, there are electrons spinning around the nucleus of atom. Everything is energy. Everything is vibrating. So everything can respond, just like the ripples in water when you throw a rock in. You know, it keeps going and going and going and going and going. Well, that's what we have done. We have created a mess. And this, the only thing I can think of that could bring the whole world to its knees, besides World War III, is something like the coronavirus. I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah, it is, and and this is like the peak of of all the the hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and everything else that the planet has been telling us stop hurting me, um, and and this is like the epitome of all of that right now, and it's it's a wake up call. I think it's a wake up call. As a matter of fact, who did the survey? Somebody did a survey um, of 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 people that believed in God. It was a survey for people that believed in God. And what it was was two-thirds of Americans that answered that survey that say they believe in God think that God is trying to tell us to change our ways. Now, when that message gets through with that kind of certainty, something, I mean, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy, but there's a silver lining there because there are lessons to be learned. And, and that's what I think part of this is, is we, we have the opportunity to, to learn from some of this um, or not. You know, some of us will and some of us won't. I, I, would, I would venture to say the, the, um, the older folks, um, a lot of them, not all of them, who are kind of set in their ways are going to resist any kind of change. But the, the younger folks on the planet, I would say age 40 down, are ready for change. They see the need for change. They can't wait for change. Yeah. And, and it's coming, whether we want it or not. You know, it's coming. Here's the thing. Every institution that we have, healthcare, education, um, finance, government, every institution that we have was built with Piscean energy. Piscean energy is being withdrawn. And these institutions are all crystallizing. They can't do anything but collapse. And so they are collapsing. Well, now we can see it happening. The government doesn't represent the people anymore. You know, all of this, even the churches, people quit going to churches. The energy is being withdrawn, and what we have to do now is rebuild those institutions with the cooperative energy of Aquarius, and then they will serve humanity for the next 2,000 years. So a lot of this is coming to a peak right now, but it's part of the change of ages, as well as the fact that the masters see the mess we've made of the planet, and they see that we things need to change. And, and thank goodness the timing is right. It's been 2,000 years. They can come now, and they can start to teach us. 
we've brought up the C word, and I'm talking about coronavirus. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, we don't like talking about it a lot on the program because I'll it's talked it. about everywhere else. But I do have to ask this question because sure. it seems as though now that the the uh, nation, at least our nation, is consumed with protests and or riots, depending on how you look at them. Yeah. Um that suddenly we're not hearing so much about this coronavirus. I don't know if people are still dying from it. I assume they are. All I know is that people are not being um, disparaged for not wearing masks in these giant protests, whereas before we couldn't go to the grocery store without one. So that's a little weird to me. So my question to you is, is your view on this from what you've been telling us now any different than what we might be hearing in mass media? No, not at all. Um, I'm very concerned that a lot of people are going to get sick because they're out protesting without a mask. Um, and without without social distancing, um, and and I think, to me, in my mind, and this is just my way of thinking, JV. But to me, it's all about the anger and frustration that people have with the fact that the world doesn't work anymore. Nothing works. Nothing works. You know, except unless you're wealthy. But and that and you know that the gap between the the. The haves and the have-nots has gotten so huge, there's almost no middle class anymore. You know, you either have or you're out of luck. And I think people are so frustrated and so angry that it doesn't take much at all to tip them over to go into a street and set a police car on fire. Now, those are the angriest people, but I'm saying I'm not surprised at all that, that this is starting to happen. I wish it wasn't. I don't think it's right. I think it hurts those who are protesting, you know, harmlessly. Um, it hurts them tremendously when a few people cause all the problems and riot and loot and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but those are the ones that make it on TV, of course. But I think all of this is coming from the frustration of humanity that things aren't working anymore. And I think it's a perfect time for some teachers to step forward and say, things aren't working and we have some ideas if you're willing, if you're interested. I think I think the time for Maitreya to step forward is coming very, very soon. I, my personal guess is nothing official. My personal guess is within the next 12 to 18 months, we will see him on worldwide television, hooked up by satellite. And, and there are three ways your listeners will know it's him if he does it. This, this was his original plan. Sometimes they have to change their plans because we have free will and we change things. But, but this was his plan, and, and if he can do it, I'm sure he will. Um, if, it, if he thinks it's best. His plan was to appear on television to everybody in the world and on radio, and there are three ways you would know it's him. Number one, you would see his face on TV, but his lips won't move. You will hear his words in your head telepathically in whatever your native language is. That'll be a very strange experience. It'll be a very personal experience for everybody. Um, and, and that's one way you'll know it's him is you'll hear him talking, but his lips aren't moving. Number two... Let me just let me just before you go to number two. Uh, sure. So let's say we we see him appear on television. He will be standing on te- appearing on television. We'll hear his message, but his lips will not be moving as right. we watch him. Okay, it'll be a huge worldwide press conference. Okay, so if you hear about it, tune in. <laughs> but will they know? Will they say this is a press conference with the world teacher Maitreya, or will will this will Maitreya appear as a world leader or something? They will say we have a very um, knowledgeable and important man uh, who is going to come on uh, and do a do a, a press conference. And the people that are producing this, will they know who this is? Um, some will and some won't. Okay. The BBC knows. Um, a couple Japanese networks know. I don't know if any of the American networks know. There are a lot of people that know about him, but they're afraid to talk about him because people will say they're crazy. 
especially famous people. Yeah. But you wait. Once he comes forward, there are going to be people coming out of the woodwork all over the place that say they knew all along. Right, of course. But anyway, <laughs> um, they, yeah, and I'm willing to be, have people think I'm crazy. I mean, <laughs> they've been doing it for 20 years. Why not? Um, so you'll see his face on TV, but his lips won't move. You'll hear his words in your head. Second way, he embodies, he's the Christ for our planet. He embodies the the love of God in him. I mean, how he can carry the love of God in a body and not explode is beyond me. And he can touch your hand and not zap you to death, you know. But while he's speaking, we will feel the love of God in our hearts like we have never felt it before. He said it will be so powerful, it will be as if I physically embrace you. A lot of people be crying. I'll probably be one of them. The third way we'll know it's him is that when he's done speaking for 25, 35, 45 minutes, nobody knows how long, when he's done speaking, press will be reporting that while he was speaking around the world, hundreds of thousands of people were miraculously cured. And in those three ways, we'll know that this is the world teacher, and we can either follow his suggestions or not. Everybody will have a choice to make, you know? Well, well, it seems to me that if... uh... In fact, I mean, the first two are are somewhat symbolic, but the third one is very practical. And if hundreds of thousands of people were instantly cured of whatever their ailments were while the master, uh, the world teacher is speaking, it seems like uh, it'd be hard to get uh, see find anybody who didn't believe at that point. Well, the conservatives in every major religion will say Antichrist or some equivalent of the Antichrist. You can be sure of that. Um, the conservatives in finance, the conservatives in government, these are people who are hung on to the old ways and they don't want anything to change, and they're going to say he's the Antichrist. Now, I have good news, according to the Ageless Wisdom, for your listeners, about the Antichrist. The Antichrist is an energy, not a person. It's released periodically to break down the old order and pave the way for the new. It was released 2,000 years ago through Nero. In St. John's book of Revelation, he talks about the B666. Nero, as you probably know, single-handedly destroyed the Roman Empire, this great Roman Empire that that was persecuting a lot of people. And Nero persecuted a lot of people himself. He was an incredibly evil man. Um, And he broke down the Roman Empire and paved the way for Christendom. He was the B666. I used to teach Bible study in uh, my Lutheran Church. Um, And and any good study Bible will have a footnote that says numerology was very big back then, and each letter stood for a number. 666 are the total numbers in the name Caesar Nero. He was the B666. Now, 2,000 years later, it was released again to pave the way for the world teacher, and it was released through, if you think about it, you know who it was. It was Hitler. Uh. Hitler and Mussolini and a couple Japanese generals, Hitler promised poor people for over 20 years, thinking he was going to create this perfect civilization, this perfect world. He tried to conquer the world. He was incredibly evil. He did everything that the Antichrist was supposed to do, and he was ultimately defeated by the Allied powers. And so the the Antichrist for our time has come and gone, and that's the good news. Um, Now, that won't make any difference to listeners who don't want to believe it or don't want to don't think it makes any sense. To me, it makes sense because he's paved the way for the world teacher to come forward, but the masters couldn't predict the Cold War. So he was supposed to come forward in like 1948, 1952, and then we went into the Cold War. And those were conditions that were just not acceptable for him to come forward. And so the masters had to wait until that ended, and they worked through... um, 
through Reagan and through um, the Russian um, Gorbachev yeah. to end the Cold War, and they and and it happened. They were the inspiration behind those guys doing that, and um, so now it, it paved the way for the world teacher to come forward. So so just just so I understand your your comments yeah. about Hitler because I've had some chat comments about this. Uh-huh. Um you're 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 saying that Hitler was a antichrist. Yes, he was. Not the, but a, like narrow an antichrist was one. for our time. Got it. Okay. The antichrist energy will be released once again, I'm told, in about 3000 years, and that battle will be fought on the mental levels, not on the physical levels like World War 1 and World War 2 were on the mental levels, and then it will be shut down, and that will be the end of the Antichrist energy for planet Earth forever. It will have accomplished its purpose. So the big question as we learn more about this, Dick, is yeah. is wh- where are you getting your information now? Um, Benjamin Krem is no longer with us. Right. He, he, there's obviously writings and teachings that he left for you to reference, but are there messages coming to you? No. No. My information comes from Benjamin Krem and his okay. books. And my conversations with him, um, which I had, you know, once a year for over 20 years, uh, during a long weekend up in San Francisco, about 100 of us uh, meditated and attended his lectures and so on at a retreat up in San Francisco um, in the in the National Forest. Is there, there. anybody? Really a wonderful weekend, long weekend, is there any, wonderful. Is there anyone receiving information as Benjamin Krem did while he was alive? Or is there someone that has taken Benjamin's place? To my knowledge, no. No. Because that's how close it is to Maitreya coming forward. I, I mean, he, he's he's been interviewing on television now. And in networks, he interviewed on. I haven't seen any of these interviews, by the way. He's. I, I'm. I'm not even that interested in looking for him. It just takes too much work. Um, I just am so certain this is true. But uh, that doesn't mean your listeners should be. But he's interviewed on an American network um, a little while, a few years ago. As I understand it, he was part of a panel on that one. But then he went down to Mexico, and then he went to South America and Brazil and Argentina. He was on networks there. He was on the BBC once. Um, they have another one in the can, but they asked the queen, and she asked the archbishop, and he said, no, he can't possibly be the Christ. So the so the queen shut down the BBC, and they haven't shown it. Um, uh, but he's been interviewed in Russia, in Japan on a couple of networks, in Vietnam, in the Philippines. He's been on television, China, all around the world as an ordinary person, not saying who he is, because we need to recognize him so that he can come forward without infringing our free will. He can't just stand up and say, I'm the Christ, listen up. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm the world teacher for the age of Aquarius, listen up. That, that would infringe our free will. For example, the Pope knows he's here, but the Pope has been asked not to say anything. Just like one of the, one of the um, well, let me finish that first thought. What's ultimately designed to happen, if it happens this way, is that the press are finally going to say to him, wait a minute, you know way too much to be an ordinary person. Who are you really? And then he can come forward worldwide, hooked up on television, and address everyone without infringing our free will, because the media representing humanity asked him who he was. And then he can say, my name is Maitreya, I'm here as your teacher and your guide, I'm not here to start a new religion, don't worship me. He said that already through Benjamin Krem. He said, I don't want people to worship me, I don't want followers. I just want people to try and absorb the teachings and live them out in their life, which was the original goal of every great teacher that we started a religion after. 
Um, he says if you're in a religion and it's working for you, great. Stick with it. If you're not, I come for you too. I come for everybody. And now I was going to say, the Pope knows he's here, and a couple of the archbishops around the Pope, uh, cardinals around the Pope, know he's here. Um, but they've been asked to say nothing. They also know that Jesus is here. Jesus is one, uh, my information is, that Jesus is one of the 13 other masters that are here. Jesus is living in the outskirts of Rome. And that, as I understand it, Jesus' job, he will come forward, too. Everybody will see him on television. They'll be standing side by side, ultimately, at some point. And they'll, Jesus will say, this is my great friend, the Master Maitreya. And Maitreya will say, this is my great friend, uh, the Master Jesus. Jesus' job, as I understand it, is to get the, the Christian church back on track. There will be every major religion has lost its way um, through human influence. Um, and, and there will be no more popes. Jesus will take his rightful place in St. Peter's throne, and Jesus will be at the head of the Christian church for the next 2,000 years. And Christians can ask him questions. Did, did you really say this? What did you mean when you said this? I mean, it's a great time to be alive, J.B. Yeah. If, if any of this comes true, which I think it will, the, the rest of us will have to just wait and see. But if this comes true, it's a great time to be alive. And I would tell Christians that might be listening, or those of the Christian background, you don't have to worry about my trade. Don't even think about my trade. Just follow Jesus when he comes. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll recognize him. If he's in your heart, you'll recognize him. And so Jesus will be here in, along with 12 others. But it's, it's a really great time to be alive. And from what I'm hearing you say, uh, I'm not hearing an apocalyptic outcome. I'm oh, no, not no, hearing no. an Armageddon, uh, no. something very different. My understanding, it, my understanding of the book of Revelation, which is probably the most difficult book to understand in the whole Bible, Christian Bible, is that there are three cataclysmic events that are described in St. John's book of Revelation. The first one was the Antichrist through Nero, and all of the chaos and killing and disaster that went on there. The second one is now, with Hitler and the transition from Pisces to Aquarius and all the chaos that's going on. If you think about it, all the earthquakes and all the all of the problems that this planet has had, they're all described in St. John's Book of Revelation. It's happening right now. The third one is the end of planet Earth, the end of the end of the world as we know it. That one is millions of years off. One of the reasons I say that is that the Ageless Wisdom says every planet has seven rounds of life, and each round is millions of years. Planet Earth is in the middle of its fourth round. You know, we will ultimately become a perfect planet, which means everybody on it will be perfect, um, and will become masters, some quicker than others. But everybody will ultimately go there. That's where we're headed. We're all going to be masters and get to choose our destiny um, as a conscious being but and a, and a loving being. But... But um, that's where we're all headed. But that last one, it, planet Earth is in the middle of the fourth round. And that's the round when everybody on the planet wakes up. And that's exactly what's happening right now. People are seeing that our healthcare system is responding terribly to the coronavirus. It wasn't prepared or equipped to deal with the coronavirus in any way. There's no organization, there was no plan. The healthcare system has got to change. Um, we need a bigger safety net. We need a safety net for everybody. That's what Maitreya's first four priorities, this is how basic he is. His first four priorities are food for everybody, housing for everybody, 
education for everybody, and health care for everybody as human rights. Those four are also prescribed by the United Nations. By the way, the masters were the inspiration behind the UN. There will be no one world government. Every nation has its own personality, and every nation contributes to the whole. Um, this idea of a one world government would be a disaster. That is not the plan at all, as I understand it, because every nation is important. Um, and so what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot more cooperation ultimately. Now, now, all of this won't happen right away. The one thing Benjamin Krems Master said is that there are people with plans right now to distribute the food that isn't getting distributed. Like in America, we have lots of grain in these huge granaries in the Western world, Europe too, and, and it stays there unless we get the right price for it. If we don't get the right price, it rots. It never gets distributed. There are distribution plans behind the scenes that have been made at the inspiration of the masters that will come forward when Maitreya comes forward and humanity will be ready to start sharing things better. And he said that starvation will end within two years of Maitreya coming forward. So these are not inevitable. They don't have to be forever. We just need to stop being so complacent. Maitreya said complacency is the biggest evil in the world today. People just don't take action. Isn't that something? It is something. We so have... he's going to inspire us. What he's going to say when he addresses humanity, my understanding is, first he's going to give us a glimpse of the past. You're going to see it in your mind's eye. You're going to see the pictures in your mind's eye of how humanity lost our way. Then he's going to give us a glimpse of the brilliant, golden, loving, brotherly, cooperative future, joyful, free future that humanity has in store in the future. And we'll see that, and we'll experience it. It'll be like you're there, he said. And, we'll experience, and that will inspire us to change. That will inspire us to take action, at least enough. He said, he said something in a writing about, mm, I want to say it was about a thousand years ago. He said, through one of his disciples, he said there was a time when ten true men could change the world, and a time when 10,000 could not, I shall call upon one billion. So Benjamin Krem, before he passed away, he asked his masters, we said, please ask your master, does Maitreya have his billion? <laughs> and he did. He asked his master, and his master said, now this was, what, five, six years ago. So I'm sure it's more now, but he said there are 1.8 billion people ready to respond when Maitreya comes forward, and that's more than the critical mass needed to get the ball rolling, to start changing life on this planet for the better. So we're going to see changes, and your listeners, we're going to see changes you guys won't even believe in our lifetime, if you're reasonably healthy. I mean, it's, it's a great time to be alive. And, J.V., I think this is why we're here on the planet right now, is to help turn things around. I, you know, my parents were here. I'm 73. My parents were here to defeat the Antichrist. And that generation did it. I mean, these guys couldn't wait to go to war, knowing full well their chances of dying were really, really good. They couldn't wait to go. Women went to work in factories. They, they, they couldn't wait to line up for work in the factories, because they knew freedom was so important. That was why they were on the planet, and they knew it. They knew they were here to defeat Hitler and Mussolini and the Japanese generals in World War II and save the world, and they did. They literally saved the world. Well, I would suggest to your listeners, this is why we're here now, is to respond according to your free will. You don't have to. You can sit and watch. 
but you're going to miss the opportunity of all of your lifetimes. Not one lifetime, um, Benjamin Crumb's master said. He said all of your lifetimes if, if we don't start to wake up. He said, the tree will be known by its fruit. Those who want to wait and see will see that everything Maitreya says happens and that all he does is good. There's no, there's no tricks. There's no evil. It's just good. And people will sooner or later say, you know what? I think this guy's starting to make some sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you're talking about this press conference and this uh, revelation occurring within 18 months. So we're looking at the end of 2021. 20, uh, right. By the end of 2021. And, and maybe before then. Yeah. I mean, it could be tomorrow. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, Nobody knows. So so as you re- talk about this, and we've got people that are hearing this for the first time, and oh, yeah. many are probably saying, hmm, interesting, okay, that sounds <laughs> promising, sounds inspiring, but, you know, the big question comes uh, to most people's minds who are hearing something like this for the first time, why should they believe what you're saying? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. No way. I just want them to, to, like I said, crack the window open and allow for this possibility. Here's the thing. I just want people to be prepared so that when it happens, they'll know what's going on. They'll say, hey, that guy, that crazy guy that was on, was, <laughs> was talking to JV, he, he talked about this. I know what's going on. That's all I'm trying to do is to help people know when it happens what's going on and who Maitreya is. And is this guy really Jesus? Yes, he is. Um, and so on. You know, you asked about my experiences. I have one hard physical experience that I can share with your listeners. I I smoked. I smoked almost three packs a day. And I had heard stories about how Benjamin Crumb's master had uh, finally gotten Benjamin Crumb to quit smoking. And um, what he did was he disappeared Benjamin Crumb's cigarettes. They were laying on the bed. He was getting dressed. He went to pick them up and put them in his shirt pocket. They were gone. And he knew right away it was his master. He said, okay, I understand. Well, I was, I was reading the newspaper, and I always had my ashtray on my little uh, lamp table to my left, and, and my, my, I had a little purple baby Bic lighter there. And I went to get my lighter, and it was gone. And I thought, oh, I wonder where I've searched the whole house, looked in the junk drawers, you know, all of that shirt, my shirt pockets, everything I could think of. I couldn't find the darn thing. I walked back in the living room. I look over at the table, and there it is, right on the table by the ashtray, right where I put my hand mm. that was empty, and it was a brighter purple than normal. And I said, oh, because I knew about Benjamin Crumb. I said, oh, Master, I got your message. I threw away my cigarettes, and, I, and you know, I tried to quit like six times. I tried just about everything except gum, because all my friends that tried gum, it didn't work. Um, and I threw away my cigarettes. I never had another cigarette. That was an absolute, I knew that was the master doing me a favor. You know, uh, and they've yeah. done it for all of us. Yeah. You, you just don't think about it, because it happens so naturally. You're hurt up, you're hurt up for money, and all of a sudden you get a check from somebody for some reason for something right. that you weren't expecting, and it's just about to the penny what you needed. <laughs> you know, we'll never be rich, but we'll always be taken care of. I have to ask you about something that Slick Eddie uh, put a note on. My producer, Eddie uh, Edwards, uh, says something about uh, UFOs. Do you have an opinion about UFOs? Oh, my goodness, yes. Benjamin Krem talked about them a lot. Oh, really? I'm glad you brought it up. Tell Eddie thank you. The space people work very closely with the masters. The, the space people, now, this is from Benjamin Cram, who used to work with the space. He traveled with them. He, he worked with them at length. I, 
don't know if you know about George Adamski, who was really the first guy to write books and talk to the space people and, mm-hmm. yep. and follow and so on. Well, Benjamin Crumb worked with him. He, he knew Adamski. Mm, okay. um, and anyway, Benjamin Crumb wrote a book. Let me see if I get the title of it here. It's um, it's uh, the gathering of the forces of light, UFOs and their spiritual mission. And 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 if if your if your listeners want to get it, in all of his books, he's written about seventeen books. They're on they're on uh, Amazon under Krem C R E M E Benjamin Krem, and you'll see him there. And this one is called. The gathering of the forces of light, because the masters are forces of light. Well, so are our space brothers and sisters, and they're human beings. They're like us, you know. They look a little different, but but they look like us. Um, they're human beings. Benjamin Crumb said that's all cosmos is is humanity. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Every planet has life on it, has human beings on it in our solar system, and I can explain that. Everyone in in our solar solar system. Correct. Okay. For 60 years, our government has been fooling people and telling people that they, two things, they don't exist and they're bad. Now, how can it be both? (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a mixed message. (laughs) Right, that's true. So anyway, they've been, they've been, and the reason they don't understand is because of our lack of scientific knowledge. Um, Our neighbors, especially Mars and Venus, those are our two neighboring planets, one on each side, um, they're the ones that are here the most, which makes sense. Um, they're our neighbors. But they understand science. They're thousands of years ahead of us in science. Um, and what the scientists don't understand is that there's a level. We know about solid, liquid, and gas, physical material. Like gas. We know there's gas you can't see, smell, feel, touch, but we know it's real. It's there. Oxygen, for example. We know it's real. But you can't see it. You can't touch it. Um, well, there's a level of physical life above gas. The ageless wisdom calls it etheric physical, like ether is a very, very yep. fine, high-vibrating gas. Sure. They, they call it etheric physical. The scientists have discovered it, but they don't know what they've discovered. They call it dark matter. Mm-hmm. It's etheric physical is what it is. And again, you can't see it. You can't touch it. Um, but it's real. Well, now think about this for a second. See if it makes any sense to you and your listeners. Planet Earth is perfectly the right distance from the sun that we can have solid, liquid, and, and, and physical life on our planet, and we don't freeze to death, and we don't burn up. That's not true for any of the other planets. That's right. They are too, whole, too cold or too hot, or they don't have enough oxygen, or whatever. And we're the only planet that has solid physical life. We're the only planet that has water, huge bodies of water. The space people told, they told Benjamin Krem, they said, we call your planet the beautiful blue planet. It's the most beautiful planet in our system. They love Earth. They bring people on tours <laughs> to see planet Earth because it's so beautiful. Isn't that interesting? It's very anyway, interesting. Um, there's life on all these planets because they're in etheric physical. Now, they have etheric vision, and some people on Earth have etheric vision. They're the people that see auras. Seeing an aura is the beginning of etheric vision. I have a friend who can actually see the auras around leaves on trees. 
Mm-hmm. He's got the beginnings of, I can't, he's got the beginnings of etheric vision. Benjamin Graham had etheric vision. Is this, he said is when this he was part six or asc- seven years old, he could see the wind. Is this part of ascendancy? Well, no, it's not. It's not part of evolution. It's, it's just, not. Okay. It's just some people have it and some people don't. But as part of our evolution, more and more people will be getting etheric vision. Well, the people that live on Mars have etheric vision. They see each other just like you and I do. They see their homes and their their pets and their transportation just like you and I do. But we can't see. We land a plant, we land a camera on Mars. It doesn't have etheric vision. It sees nothing but desolation. There's people all over Mars. As a matter of fact, Benjamin Krem said there are more people on Mars than there are on planet Earth. There's over 8 billion people on Mars. Now, Mars is a smaller planet, so guess what? Martians are shorter. You know, they run about four feet to five feet tall at the, at the, at the most. Um, and, and they look pretty much like us. They have, some have pointed ears and some other little small discrepancies, but they're human. A lot of times people see them in their spacesuits, and, and they think that that's their skin, but it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, in any event, every planet in our solar system has humanity on it. Some are very advanced, and some, Benjamin Crumb, there are people on some of these planets you would not want to meet in a dark alley. (laughs) (laughs) They're nasty. Now, Venus, remember I said each planet has seven rounds of life before they become a perfected planet? Yep. We are very fortunate to have a neighbor, Venus, who is in its seventh round. It is almost a perfect planet. It is, and that means the people on it are almost perfect. Um, and and once it becomes a perfect planet, it will disappear. It'll be in etheric only. We already have a planet in our solar system that is perfect. And believe it or not, its name is Vulcan, like on Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a there's a hidden planet in our solar system that is a perfected planet. Venus will be the next one. Benjamin Krem said, if you were to talk to somebody from Venus, you would think you were talking to a god. That's how knowledgeable and wise and loving they are. Now, they're very tall, and they're beautiful. They're perfected physical beings. I mean, they're gorgeous, the men and women, um, according to Benjamin Krem um, and his master, but mostly Benjamin Krem because he's seen him, he's talked to him. Now, here's the thing. Their spacecraft are made out of etheric physical, too. So when they want us to see them, they simply lower the vibration of their craft, which they can do, and become temporarily solid physical. And then we can see them. And then when they want to disappear, they can either just fly off as fast as you can imagine, or they can just raise the vibration of their craft and poof, they disappear. But they didn't disappear. They're still there. We just can't see them anymore, unless you have etheric vision. He said they're up there in the thousands all the time. We just don't see them unless they want us to. And they try to appear only to people they know won't be afraid of them. And they're telepathic, because the only only people that are allowed to fly, this wasn't always true, the only people in the solar system that are allowed to fly from one planet to another are people who are highly evolved, loving people. The rest of the, the humanity, they're, they're not allowed to travel. They used to be able to travel, and that's where some of these stories about bad people came from, but not anymore. They've all been restricted. If, if you're not, if you're not uh, your nature isn't love, you can't travel in the solar system. That's one of the rules of our solar god, is that there's no travel here unless you're loving nature and you want to help. Now, here's the deal. Just like the human body, when we get hurt or we get a sore, parts of our body rush in to help, to heal it. 
Well, that's exactly what's happening in our solar system. Planet Earth is holding back the evolution of the solar system. It's holding back the plan because we can't end war, we can't end starvation, and we can't stop killing the planet. And so our, every planet has a spiritual hierarchy, has ascended masters that are working with the people on that planet, um, usually unseen. Well, our masters have contacted the masters from other planets. They meet every 250 years. It's a council. It's a, it's a solar system planetary council. Um, and our masters have asked for help. And, and the, gods, the god for our planet and others has said yes, and the solar system has said yes, good idea. They're here to help. They're here to help save our planet, to help wake us up, and to help the evolution of the whole solar system. Now, they're here on a four-part mission as far as I know. Number one, pollution. They have huge motherships that do nothing 24-7 but mop up pollution. Pollution from the air. Now, these are etheric crafts, so they can go into the ocean, mop up in the ocean, mop up inside planet Earth, underground, and mopping up pollution 24-7. Now, they didn't make the mess. So karmically, they're not allowed to clean it all up. But they're allowed to clean it up to a certain extent, enough to keep the planet alive until we wake up and start cleaning up the mess ourselves. But in the meantime, they've been doing this for decades to keep this planet alive. Um, and, and so we owe them a huge karmic debt for all the pollution they're mopping out. Most of it is nuclear. See, our science is so limited that we are not aware of all the nuclear waste that's etheric, that's leaking out of all of these nuclear plants, and we don't know it because our instruments are too crude to measure it. There is a, an, an etheric nuclear pollution, according to Benjamin Krem and his master, are the worst, the most dangerous of all the, of all the nuclear pollutions. And they're, they're all over the place. They're causing, according to Ben's master, they're causing two major problems that are really evident to everybody. One is an earlier and earlier onset of Alzheimer's, nuclear pollution. Really? And the other one is way more kids are being born autistic. You know, I used to teach, work with autistic kids when I was a special education teacher. It used to be about a one in every 800 kids was born autistic. Now it's one in 80. And it's caused by nuclear pollution in the genes of the parents um, that's gotten into the bodies of the parents. So number one is pollution. The second one is the crop circles. They're making all these beautiful crop circles around the world as two things. Number one, a calling card, a very beautiful and harmless way, doesn't scare anybody, of saying, we're here. <laughs> and the second reason for the crop circles, this planet has a magnetic grid, like a checkerboard where the lines cross each other. Wherever they cross, there's a vortex of magnetic energy. They're marking a lot of those vortexes with these um, crop circles. Because one of the gifts that our space brothers and sisters, notice I don't call them aliens. That's a horrible name made up for them by the Western governments to get us to not like them. Um, they're, they're our brothers and sisters. They're part of humanity. Anyway, they're going to give us a wonderful gift. And they're going to work with the masters, um, but they're not going to steal the masters' thunder. They won't come forward before the masters do, because it's not their planet. They're going to give us something called the technology of light. And what the technology of light will be 
is a combination of the magnetic energy of our planet from the grid and solar energy that will provide enough power for all the needs on the planet, for everybody, everywhere, free of charge, pollution-free, forever. That's going to be a gift from our space brothers and sisters to us. But they can't give us that technology until we end war, because we'll for sure find a way to make a weapon out of it. So they can't do that right now, but that's one of the things that the the crop circles are doing. Another thing they've done, there's a star that didn't used to be up in the sky. It came in in about 2000, Um, and it is a star that twinkles like all the other stars. Um, It's a little bit brighter. It's one of the brighter lights in the sky. You'll see it at night. Sometimes you can even see it during the day. And it is up there to announce the imminent arrival of the teacher for the age of Aquarius. Just like 2,000 years ago, there was a star that announced the arrival of the teacher for the age of Pisces, the star of Bethlehem. The star of Bethlehem that, that moved through the heavens and led the wise men to the manger and shined down on the baby Jesus so they could find the teacher for the age of Pisces. That was not a star. That was a UFO built by our neighbors at the request of our spiritual kingdom. It was three football fields big, and it was built for that purpose, to announce the arrival of the teacher. Well, there's one up there now. Now it's five football fields big, and there are actually four, JV. There's one north, south, east, and west, so no matter where you are on the planet, you can see one of them. Now, I'm in Los Angeles, and I look up northwest, My wife was looking out the kitchen window one night, and she said, is that my tree of star up there? And I said, I don't know. Let's go look. We went outside, and I looked at it, and I said, if you're the star, and knowing they're telepathic, or at least thinking they were, because Benjamin Krem said they were, I said, if you're the star, would you please flash colors? Now, a normal star can't do that. And I took my cell phone, put it on full zoom, and I did about 15 seconds of video. I loaded the video into my computer, and JV, you would not believe the beautiful colors that I got out of shades of purple, shades of blue, shades of orange, shades of pink, shades of yellow, just flashing really, really fast. And then I said, of course, I didn't know that at the time. I I thought I could see some color. Like if you look at Mars and it's close, you can see some of the red. Right. And then I said, if you're the star, would you please move? And we waited, I don't know, you have to be patient, 30, 45 seconds, something like that. And it moved down and to the left and then back. And I looked at my wife and I said, did that move or did I make that up? And she said, no, that moved. (laughs) I have a friend, JV, who saw one of them. It was a woman that that I know from my share international volunteer work, and I absolutely believe her. I've never known her to lie. She saw a star, and she asked if she could see another one. And she waited a few minutes, and all of a sudden another star pulled up right beside that one. And it ended up, all four stars were lined up, up in the sky above her, and then they peeled off and went back to where they were supposed to be. They get their energy from the sun. That's how they charge their batteries. So sometimes they have to leave their position and then go closer to the sun to recharge the batteries and then come back. But that's the third part of their spiritual mission. Now, these are all good people. These are loving people. They're here to help. They're on a mission, actually a mission of mercy. That's the third purpose that I'm aware of, is the star um, announcing the imminent arrival of the teacher for the age of Aquarius. It'll disappear once he comes forward, I'm told. And the fourth reason they're here is they're part of the forces of light, like the title of Benjamin Crown's book. 
They're here to help teach humanity, but they're not going to do that until the masters come forward. Um, and, and then they will help, along with the masters, they will help teach us how to fix this planet, how to fix the mess we've made of it. See, Maitreya and the masters can't wave a magic wand to make everything better because it's not their mess. God's great law of karma, or the universal great law of karma, says that if you made the mess, you're the one that has to clean it up. <laughs> so what they come to do is teach and give suggestions. And then we can either follow their suggestions or not, but we're the ones that have to clean up the mess. They're going to help us see the value of it. They're going to help us see the result in our mind's eye. If we don't, this planet will die. Um, and everything on the planet will die. And then the whole evolution of planet Earth and the solar system will have to start over. So obviously they really want to pre prevent this from happening. Right. Um, so that's a little bit of information about the Space Brothers. Have you heard the story about Pope John the 23rd and the UFO? I, there, I know you've had a lot of guests, wonderful guests. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've heard that story. Do, can, we, can we tell it in a couple minutes because we're almost out of time? In 1985, in a U.S. newspaper, which will remain unnamed right now, it was revealed that during the 1960s, Pope John XXIII, um, a well-documented encounter took place one evening in July of 1961 at the Pope's summer residence in Italy. He was with one of his assistants, who was a, a priest, and it was the priest that told the story um, initially. They were in the garden together, and they looked up in the sky, and the priest said it was oval object. It had blue and amber flashing lights. The craft seemed to, this is a direct quote, the craft seemed to fly over our heads for a few minutes, then landed over the grass on the south end of the garden. A strange being came out of the craft. He looked human, except he was surrounded by golden light and had pointed ears. The Pope and I immediately kneeled down in his presence. They knew he was sacred, you know. Um, continuing the story, we didn't know what we were witnessing, but we knew it wasn't from this world. Um, the Holy Father stood up and walked toward the being, and the two of them spent 15 to 20 minutes together. It seemed like they were talking intensely. They did not call me, so I remained where I was and could not hear the conversation. The being then turned around, walked towards the craft, and left in the craft. The pontiff came toward me, and all he said as he went inside was, The sons of God are everywhere. Sometimes we have difficulties in recognizing our own brothers. Isn't that a great story? It's a great story, yeah. I hadn't heard it. I'm surprised yeah. I haven't heard it. Yeah. yeah. So they're here. They're loving. They're helpful. Um, they did not slaughter cattle. That was all done by black ops government people who don't want us, who want us to think they're bad. Um, and that's a real nutshell uh, of what I know about the Space Brothers and Sisters. Most of the craft are from Venus and Mars. Most of the craft are made on Mars. Almost all the craft for our solar system are made on Mars. They love to build stuff on Mars. So the planets put their orders into Mars. Mars builds them according to the specs, and then the, the planetary people come and pick up their craft from Mars. Um, but most of, the, most of the crews are Venusian. They're not Venetian. Those are the blinds. <laughs> They're Venusian. <laughs> Yeah, and the craft are mostly Mars and Venus. Some are made on Saturn and Jupiter, and some of the planets are not very evolved at all, and we don't want to talk about that. Sounds like we could have a whole conversation just on this huh? part of the discussion, <laughs> right? But we're out of time, Dick. If if people are hearing this message and more curious about it, either want more answers or possibly even to help uh, with the message, how would they be able to do that? They can go to a website. It's www.share, S-H-A-R-E, hyphen, that's a dash, 
international, all spelled out, share-international.us. And there's, that's a really good website to get an introduction to everything, and then if you want, you can click through to the international website, which is .org. But I would encourage people to check out share-international.us first. I think it's a, it's a, it's a more modern website. It's a newer website, and I, I think people would like it. And I think you've got some of uh, Benjamin Krem's uh, videos on there, too. Um, yes. I think there's some. On the main website. On the main right. website. I think I saw some, sure. Yeah. Uh, Dick, thanks so much for your time and the message. Appreciate you bringing it to the show here tonight. And um, we'll hope to have you back on. And, and maybe within 18 months, we're going to have a completely uh, different uh, set of things to be talking about. I'd love to be on. JV, i got to compliment you. You are a really good listener. You should hear some of the hosts I deal with. Um, you are a class act, and I really appreciate you. Well, thank you for those kind words, and thanks for being here tonight. You're welcome. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.